Hi, this is Pastor Curtis. I want to thank you for checking out the Family Church Podcast. I hope it encourages you and inspires you to take your next step of faith. You can find out more about how to do that at our website, familychurch.xyz. And if you know a friend who needs to hear this message, please forward it on to them. I hope you enjoy the message. Good morning. Welcome to week three of our series titled Frequency. We've been talking about how to hear the voice of God, how to tune out the static of the world and tune into God's voice. In the first week when we launched the series, we talked about how important the, our heart is, the preparation of our heart, how important that is to, to hear God's voice because if we have a polluted or a distracted heart, that's going to prevent us from having, in the words of Jesus, ears to hear when God does speak to us. But a prepared heart will posture us to hear him when he speaks to us. And then last week, we looked at the story of Samuel in the Old Testament and how God spoke to this young man in a very personal and profound way. We also talked about how God wants to do the very same thing with each of you. Now, sadly, there are those in the church today who will tell you that God has stopped speaking. And today, the only way that God speaks is through his word, the Bible. And while it's true that God does still speak through the Bible, he speaks to us in other ways as well. I mean, He's God, people. Right? He, he can do whatever he wants, you know. Now, now, granted, you know, the primary way is, is, is through his word, you know, his, his, his written word. But, and, and, and let me pause here to say that any way that God does speak to us that is not from his word needs to line up with his written word. But when you read through the Bible, it's clear. You know, God speaks in a variety of different ways. He can speak through peals of thunder. He can, he can speak through a prophet or, or a man of God. God can even speak through our pain, can he? He can speak through our pain and our heartache as well. But again, having said that, I want to make clear that any way that God speaks to us that is not from his written word needs to line up with his written word. I'm going to talk more about that next week as we, as we talk about the built-in safeguards when it comes to this topic about hearing the voice of God. Bible scholar and author Dallas Willard said this, If God doesn't speak today, then the greatest disservice we could ever do to people is to tell them that they can have a personal relationship with God. And that's true. So we've established the fact that God wants to speak to us, but why? I mean, why would God want to speak to us? Well, again, I could give a lot of different reasons for that, but I want to give you three that I think might be helpful as as you kind of wrestle this to the ground, this whole idea of hearing God speak to you. The first reason that God speaks to us this might surprise you, uh, because he wants to be your friend. God wants to facilitate friendship. Exodus 33, verse 11, thus the Lord used to speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. Isn't that interesting? God spoke to Moses just like, just like someone talking to a friend. And I, and I honestly think some of you, you have a hard time hearing God speak is because you, 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 don't, you don't view him as a friend. I mean, after all, he's God, right? I mean, he's got bigger fish to fry than to sit down and talk with me, right? I mean, he's, you know, we've got the war in Ukraine. We've got all the social injustice, all the, all the, the hatred and, and, and racial strife and, and all that kind of stuff, not to mention all the sports teams that he's supposed to help win, go Chiefs, right? But here, here's the thing. God can multitask. He, he, he can take care of those things and still have a conversation with you friend to friend, and he wants you to know that. God is big enough 
to handle the affairs of this planet and still be your friend and have a conversation with you. You know, sometimes during my prayer time, I'll, I'll, t- I'll talk out loud like I'm just talking with someone. And, uh, you, know, I, you know, I do a prayer walk, and sometimes I'll walk around the pasture of, of the Clayton's field just down and across from us. Sometimes, sometimes I'll go up and walk through the cemetery, and I've always wondered how, you know, what people might think if they saw me walking along talking, and no one else is around but a bunch of gravestones or a bunch of cows. What's, what's with that guy? But I do that because I think it really does help posture me to view God as just like a friend. You know, I do that because, you know, I want to kind of picture God like he's right there with me. Because guess what? He is. He is right there with me. And he's right there with you as well, if you'll acknowledge him. So God speaks because he wants to be your friend. The second reason God speaks is to give guidance. Now, this this guiding part can get a little tricky. Here's why. Um, If God speaks to you, say you're heading in a certain direction that you shouldn't be heading but you don't know that, right? Otherwise, you wouldn't be, you're going that direction because you think that's the way you're supposed to go. But if that's not the way you're supposed to go and God calls you out on it, your initial response is probably not going to be obedience. You're probably going to push back against that. So, so this, this is something can, can get a little, a little tricky. So I want you to be aware of that. Just because, you know, you're heading in a certain direction doesn't mean that that's the way you're supposed to be going. Look to God. What I'm saying is invite God into that conversation because he will guide you. Here's why. God sees the beginning from the end. We don't. God sees up around the bend. God sees up into next Wednesday or Thursday. He knows what's going to happen. We don't. That's why it would be good to invite him into those conversations about guidance and direction. He sees the beginning from the end. And the better we get at letting him lead and guide us, the better off our lives will be. Proverbs 3, 6 says this, listen, for God's voice in everything you do, everywhere you go, he's the one who will keep you on track. God speaks to us because he wants to be our friend, because he wants to guide and direct our lives. And the third reason, and this this is sort of uh, ties in with the second one, God speaks to provide perspective, to provide perspective. Again, God has perspective that we don't have. And you may not realize this, but the majority of the battle between light and darkness and good and evil that's taking place around us, it takes place in the invisible realm. What what I'm saying is everything you see out there is not all that's out there. And I'm not trying to get weird on you or anything, but Paul's very clear about this. You know, he made comments like when talking about spiritual warfare, he says, uh, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They're, they're, They're not fleshly. Right? Another time in Corinthians, he, he talked about, he contrasted this visible temporal realm with the eternal, uh, 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 invisible realm. So as Paul was very clear about the fact that everything that you see in the natural realm is not all that's going on. 2 Corinthians 4, verse 18, Paul says, there's far more here than meets the eye. The things we see now are here today, gone tomorrow, but the things we can't see now will last forever. And that's why he said in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 7, for we walk by faith, not by sight. Hebrews tells us, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of the things that we can't see, things that are not seen. Therefore, this is important, therefore, since we live in this physical temporal realm and don't see the large picture and and don't have the perspective that God does, There are going to be times, listen, this is important. There are going to be times when we need to put listening above our seeing. And you need to understand that. Times you'll need to trust the Holy Spirit to speak to you and guide you through a certain 
struggle or decision that you're wrestling with. Some of the ladies are doing a Bible study on the book of Esther. Esther is a classic example of someone who refused to let her circumstances and what she saw hinder God speaking to her because what she saw was a government, a tyrannical government that was trying to exterminate her people, wipe out the Jews. But what she heard, what she heard was that God was calling her for such a time as this to help deliver her people out of that bondage. And in spite of all the chaos, all the political posturing, all the violence and injustice that we see taking place around us, we have been called to be salt and light. We, the church, family church, has been called to bring life and hope to those who are far from God or those who have perhaps strayed from God. So why does God speak to us? Because he wants to be our friend, because he wants to help and guide, he wants to help guide and direct our lives, and because he wants to bring an eternal perspective to our lives. He wants us to live our lives through the grid of our calling as his church. So that's the why. But what about the how? What about the how does God speak to us? Well, you know, there's really no simple answer to that question. I mean, God speaks to us in a variety of ways, as we've already established, but First and foremost, he speaks through his word. We've talked about that. But he can also speak in a lot of different other ways as well. But far and away, the most common way that God speaks to us, and he does this more than you might realize, by the way. You're just not listening. The most common way that God speaks to us is through a soft whisper. A soft whisper. I'm talking about those, those, those inner nudges, those times where on the inside, you really sense that God might be directing you a certain way or are speaking something to you. In the Old Testament, there's this fascinating story in 1 Kings chapter 18 about the prophet Elijah who had this big confrontation with some of the prophets of Baal and, and it was kind of a contest to see who was the real true and living God and, and God showed up big on behalf of Elijah and proved that he was the true and living God. But it's interesting because right after that miraculous huge monumental victory that God gave Elijah in the very next chapter, in chapter 19, Elijah gets depressed. In fact, he finds himself in such a dark place emotionally and spiritually that he thinks everyone's against him. And so he's basically out there as a fugitive in the wilderness running for his life. And he ends up hiding out in a cave. And then one day the Lord spoke to Elijah and he he was wanting to show Elijah, he, he was wanting to prove to Elijah that, no, I haven't abandoned you, Elijah. I'm still here. I still have a plan and purpose for, for your life. And so he wanted to speak to him. And so he does in, let's look at verse 11, 1 Kings 19, verse 11. The Lord said to Elijah, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. In other words, God didn't speak through this miraculous display of power and might. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. So again, there's this miraculous physical demonstration of, 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 of God's power, but God didn't speak in that. And you would think, man, if God's gonna speak... Yeah, let's do it on a grand stage, something like an earthquake. But no, that, that's not how God spoke to Elijah. And then right after the mighty wind and the miraculous earthquake, there was this huge blazing inferno, verse 12, 1 Kings 19. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. The old English, the old English here says God spoke through a still 
small voice. One of the goals of this series is to help you come to the place where you recognize God's whisper, God's still small voice, because because I believe that God is whispering to you, speaking to you more than you realize. And his whispers, listen, his whispers usually are related to one of these four areas. The first area that his whispers are related to are, are encouragement. Encouragement. God whispers encouragement because we all need encouragement at times, especially after those times that we've blown it or we've done something that we know that we shouldn't have done and, 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 and we feel guilty and, and, and there's that shame. God wants you to know that he doesn't condemn you for your failures. Look, when you stumble or fall spiritually, don't think for a second that God's pointing his finger at you, condemning you. You know, it's wrong. You know it's wrong. You know, and, and, and you know, we'll deal with that, the action later. But God wants you to know that, hey, he loves you too much. In fact, he loves you too much to let you continue making choices that are leading you down that path, right? And I want you to know when you come to family church, you're not going to find, you're not going to find umpires greeting you, standing at the door saying, you're in, you're out. When you come to family church, you're going to find base coaches who are going to welcome you, who are going to encourage you. All right, you made it to first. Let's go to second. Let's take your next step. All right, you're here. Let's go to the next base. Let's take your next step. And listen, we don't do that because, you know, we know that, you know, you have all this spare time and, you know, you don't have anything to do. No, no, no. We do that because that is the best way to help us pastor you, to help you grow in your faith. That's why we offer those things. So... Yes, once you come to accept his forgiveness, the Holy Spirit will begin nudging you to begin to make some changes in the way you're living. Romans 2, verse 4. Paul says, can't you see that his kindness is intended to turn you from your sins? One, one translation says, it's the kindness of God that leads to repentance. The Holy Spirit's going to bring conviction, and that's a good thing, because the goal of that conviction is to hopefully lead you to repentance and to ask God's forgiveness. The Apostle Paul says in Romans 8, verse 16, for his Holy Spirit speaks to us deep in our hearts and tells us that we really are God's children. Think about that statement. God sees you as part of his family. Not only that, the prophet Isaiah tells us what God's attitude is towards you. Isaiah 55, verse 3. Pay attention. Come close now. Listen carefully to my life-giving, life-nourishing words. And then watch this next statement. I'm making a lasting covenant with you, the same that I made with David. Sure, solid, enduring love. Isn't that amazing? God knows what you did last night. He knows what you did last week, last month, last year. But he's still committed to you because he has love for you. Not feel-good love, but unconditional agape love. He may not be pleased with what you're doing, and he'll make sure you understand that, but he's not kicking you out because he considers you one of his children. You are my child, and I love you. That is God's whisper of encouragement to you. Something else that I believe God whispers to us is God whispers warnings warnings. A few years ago, Sue and I got frustrated with some things at our house, and so we made a decision to list it, put it on the market and downsize. The problem was we didn't want to downsize so much with our living space of our house. We just wanted less maintenance because we live on three and a half acres, and I mow almost all of it, and we're at a stage of life now where it's just like, you know what, I got better things to do than to spend all this time on the mower. So we thought, hey, let's just go ahead and list our house and, and then see if we can find something with a little bit smaller yard and, and you know, we'll just kind of something closer to town. And so we talked with Sarah Clam, 
uh, Leighton Real Estate who goes to the church. And uh, so she took us to a, a place. And again, the, the, the real estate market was about the same as it is now back then. You know, this is three years ago, I think. So I say that to say there wasn't a whole lot out there, but we believed that, you know, God was going to guide us through that. So Sarah took us to, showed us this one house that really checked all the boxes. Uh, it was on a quiet cul-de-sac. It had enough square footage, uh, you know, for when we had our family get-togethers, because with 14 grandchildren and five children and their spouses, you know, it, it can, you know, a house fills up pretty quick. But this house checked all the boxes, and it even had a good-sized yard, not over, it was like a little bit less than an acre, and this was in town. So I thought, man, you know, this, this is, you know, I think this is it. God, I think this is what you've opened up for us. And so while we were looking at the house on that first showing, there were some things that kind of concerned us, but we we're like, nah, nah, you know, we, can, we, we can deal with that. We can deal with that. A few days go by, and, and as we're kind of wrestling with, you know, should we make an offer? And in the meantime, uh, Sarah contacted us and said, hey, I'm sorry, but someone else made an offer on that house, and it's been accepted, so it's not on the market anymore. And, man, you talk about just taking the wind out of my sails. I don't know how Sue was. I think it was somewhat with her, but it really was with me. I really thought God missed it. God, that, that was our house. What are you, what are you doing here? And, and, and in fact, it affected me so profoundly that I couldn't, it was weird, I couldn't let it rest because I was convinced that's the house that we were supposed to live in. And it didn't help that at that time I was still driving a school bus. And so twice a day, I, at the end of my route, I would drive down the street where I could look right down there and say, there's my house. God, there's, there's our house, God. You know, if, you, if you would just you know, get on board with us here, God, that, that's, that, that's, that's our house, right? Well, a couple of weeks went by, and uh, Sarah called and said that something had happened with the contract, and that the, the people that had made the offer, I guess, they were backing out of it or something like that, so the house was on the market again. So then it's like, aha, I knew it. Thank you, Jesus, right? So we called Sarah, or we said, we, she's, she's telling us that, and I said, yeah, we want to go look at it again. So we went and looked at this house a second time. And the second time we looked at it, we, we noticed some things. And these are things that we noticed the first time, but the first time they weren't really deal breakers. But this time, there was just something different about it. As we walked through and kind of looked at the house, it just, some of these things are like, I don't know. You just kind of had this, the best way to describe it is we had this check in our spirit. It's like, man, I don't know. I mean, I really thought this was it, but, but now I'm, I'm, not, I'm not so sure. But God saved us the embarrassment of having to tell Sarah that we didn't want the house. <laughs> because, you know, do you want it? No. Yes, no. Yes, no. But whatever that glitch was, whatever the hiccup was in that contract, and Sarah said later, that's never happened before. But whatever the glitch was, they took care of it, so the house was back off the market. That couple that made that initial offer, they were going to buy it again. And, you know, when Sarah told us that, my first response was, yes, I feel, oh, I'm, I'm, no, I'm, come on, Sarah. You know, I, I wanted to kind of push back, but... I was really glad. I was really glad because we had that check in our spirit that, you know, maybe this isn't what God has for us. And I believe that God allowed that to happen because I couldn't let it rest. So it was almost if God was saying, you know what, you're not going to let this thing go, so here, go look at the house again. Seriously. Again, Sarah said that's never happened before, so I, I really believe God, that was for us, well, for me, for sure, because that second time when we looked at it, it was like, no, this isn't what God has for us. What did God have for us? Well, God had for us the house that we were living in. 
So we ended up knocking out a wall and had a, made, created an open living plan and are just happy as two peas in a pod, aren't we, honey, after? Uh, but I kind of share that because, you know, that we had that check in our spirit. And you know what? That happened in the Bible as well. In Acts chapter 16, verse 6, it says, Now when they, talking about Paul and Silas, when they had gone through Phrygia and the region of Galatia, they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to, now watch this, what they were forbidden to do, preach the word in Asia. What? Surely that's not God. God telling them, don't preach the word in Asia. Well, no, that was God because, you know, God can see up around the bend. God could see what was happening there. And, and, and the political climate was such that if they would have gone there, they would have been killed. And so that was God giving, you know, showing them, no, 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 don't, don't go there. Verse uh, 7, Acts 16, verse 7, after they had come to Mishia. They tried to go to Bithynia, but the Spirit did not permit them. Do you see that? So there are times when, when, when God will give us that kind of check in our spirit. Hold on, hold on. Before you do anything, hold off here. Isaiah 30, verse 21. Whether you turn to the right or to the left, now watch this next statement. Your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. In other words, no, 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 don't go this way, go this way. No, 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 don't, don't go around that. Just, just, just keep going the way that you're going. That, that, that nudging, that guiding along the way. So another thing that God whispers is direction. Direction, guidance and direction. Throughout your life, you're going to face some, some huge decisions that you're going to have to have some divine help in. You want to make sure you get these decisions right, where to go to school, what kind of career to pursue, who to marry, you know, what your family's going to look like, those kind of things. God wants to help you navigate those very important decisions successfully. And the secret here is very simple. The secret here is just involve him in the process. That's it. Just invite him into that decision-making process. In Acts 20, the apostle Paul was looking for some direction. So as he sought the Lord, he, he included Jesus in the process. And we're told that the Holy Spirit guided his steps in Acts 20, verse 22. And now compelled by the Spirit, I'm going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. I'm telling you, folks, you might be surprised how specific God can be in directing him, in directing you, in giving you guidance if you would just invite him into that, that conversation, into that process. Because there's times that he might tell you to slow down. You know, in fact, some of it he's already told that you're not listening. Some of it he's saying, hey, you need to slow down. You can't continue on doing what you're doing. Or maybe the opposite. Some of you say, you need to get busy. Come on, giddy up. It, it's, it's time to jump in. It, it's time to just quit dipping your toes in the shallow end. You need to jump in. You've been attending family church for long enough now. You need to attend a next class. You need to, you need to jump in and begin serving with a dream team. Or maybe he's whispering, you need to take your next step. Let this spring be the turning point for you. If you've never joined one of our growth groups, let this spring, and these, these groups are going to start in a couple of weeks, but let this spring be, be your launch pad to jump in and join one of our youth groups and, and then watch how God can move in your life like he's never moved before. So God whispers encouragement. God whispers warnings. He whispers direction. So how do we hear the whispers of God? How do we hear those whispers of God? Well, it begins by having your heart right with God and, and then having the right posture, the right attitude, an attitude of expecting God to speak to you. That's why we need to be open to listen. 
Be open to listen. This is the same posture that Samuel had. We talked about this last week. Remember what Eli told him the third time when he came into Eli. Eli, then Eli figured it out, and he said, that's God speaking to you. So Eli told him, said, hey, if you hear the voice again, this is what you say. Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. I want that dynamic for you. I want that dynamic for us, that we can come to hear God in that same fashion. Spring 1979, I was attending Bible school in Dallas, Texas. Sue and I had first met on February 6th of that that year, that semester, so we'd only known each other for a couple of months. That's why it it really seemed kind of odd and even crazy that I was getting these ideas about maybe should I ask her to marry me. Unbeknownst to me, um, Sue was feeling the same thing because even though we'd known each other, only known each other a couple months, we were spending a lot of time together, a lot of time together. And, I, and again, I didn't discover this till later, but uh, she had been praying a lot about this relationship as well. And in her own words, um, she told God, if I wasn't the one, then she didn't want to waste any more of her time with me. <laughs> oh, yeah. I see how you are. Since it was close to Easter... And I had forgot that I had did this. In fact, I don't remember why I did it, but I had come up to Lawrence. I'm from Lawrence, and I had come up over spring break. On my way back down, I, I went through. She was at her folks in southwest Oklahoma, and so I was going to stop by there, and then we were going to drive back to, to Dallas for, um, to, finish, you know, to finish out the semester. But um, I guess I bought her a, a stuffed Easter bunny. And um, now remember, she's been praying that God would show me if we're supposed to get married, right? She's been fervently praying that. So then when I told her that I had a gift for her, I think she's thinking, going to the chapel and we're going to get married. And then I hand her a stuffed bunny. And then, then she's singing, if you like it, then you better put a ring on it. If you like it, then you better put a ring on it. A few days later, after we got back to campus, I was in my dorm room, standing at the bathroom sink, shaving. I'll never forget this. It was, it was Because this was the first time that God really spoke to me in a very profound... This is the first time I really heard the whisper of God. I'm standing at the bathroom sink shaving, and I'm, and I'm doing one of these numbers where you come from the neck up to the chin, you know, like you see on the commercial, shaving commercials, you know. And about halfway up, I, I, I heard two words, and the words were, ask her. Now, they weren't audible. I don't want you to think that they were audible, but I got to be honest, they might as well have been because the way it impacted me physically, I mean, my heart started beating and I was just started getting sweaty and it's like, and I knew it was God because I knew immediately what the two words meant. When he said, ask her, I knew that he was giving me the green light to ask her to marry me, which made no sense. We had known each other. She was 19, 19. Right? I was 23. Only known each other a few months, but 
Anyway, so after that, you know, I got, I got finished shaving, got cleaned up. This was back, you know, 79 before cell phones and texting. So I went out to the, 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 the men's dorm payphone and called over to the girls' dorm payphone and had someone go get Sue and, and so I could talk to her. And uh, so uh, when she got to the phone, I, I asked her uh, about if she could meet me. There was this picnic table about halfway or close to her dorm over by the, the main auditorium. And so uh, I asked her to meet me there. And uh, I, don't, I really don't recall exactly how the conversation played out, but I, I do remember the proposal. Um, and you, got, you, you ladies are going to hate me for this because this was so lame. I can't believe it. But I, I was so scared of rejection. Uh, my proposal was this. I said, so what do you think about getting married? <laughs> that way, if she said, I don't know, then I said, yeah, I don't know. I don't think maybe we should, right? But I did. It, isn't that lame? It, isn't that lame? I, I said, so what do you think about getting married? And she said, sounds good to me. <laughs> that was uh, April. That following August, we got married. Met February 6th, we're married six months later. Were we nuts or what? Shortly after proposing to Sue, I'm not sure how much time had gone by, but we were talking about that afternoon when I had proposed to her, how I had called from, you know, the payphone in the boys' dorm over to the payphone at the girls' dorm, and this, this girl had come up and got her and said, hey, someone wants to talk to you. So we're, we're kind of rehashing that, and, you know, that, that afternoon. And as we're talking about this, and trying to piece together the, the time frame, she told me, she said that right before this gal knocked on the door to get her to tell her that I had, that there was a phone call for her, that, that, that she had been praying and that, that God would show me if we were to get married. And so as we thought about that and pieced that together, we figured out that the time that she was praying, God, would you show him, was about the time I was doing this right there. I get emotional even thinking about it now. Now, does God speak to me every time in a way that impacts me like that? I wish. Seriously, I, I wish he, he did, but that's only happened a few times. In fact, I could count on one hand the number of times where, where God has whispered and spoke to me in, in, in such a profound way. But I, I, that was the first time it happened. I want to I share the most recent time that God did this. It happened a little over a year ago in the spring. Sue and I were uh, on our way back from Baldwin. We were driving on High Street, coming back to Wellsville, and we'd stopped. There was a garage sale at a house right across the street from the Baker Athletic com Complex, you know, where the soccer, baseball, softball fields were. And so she wanted to go up and check out these bargains at this garage sale. So I just sat in the car while she went up and, you know, was looking around. So I just sat in the car and I was staring out across the street at the baseball and softball and, 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 and soccer fields because the baseball team, softball field and soccer, were all out there. I mean, just, just a hub of activity out there. And I'm just kind of glancing over there. Now, a little backstory here. Our leadership team here at Family Church has been praying about launching a campus church in Baldwin for over two years now, over two years. And the fervency of this prayer has only increased the, the past couple of years since on any given Sunday, we have about 50 people from Baldwin 
uh, that drive over and worship with us, and we love that. We, we love you guys, and thank you so much for, for doing that and coming over here and worshiping with us. But I, I want you to know that a, a campus church in Baldwin, this isn't for you Baldwin folks who already faithfully come here each week. I mean, we, we know you're going to come. We, we know Danny and Ronnie are going to come. You know, uh, we, we know that Travis and Andrea are going to come. You know, we, we know that, that Cody and Jessica, we know this, this isn't for you. This is for your neighbors. This is for those who w- w- would come to a life-giving church if there, were, if there were one in town. This is for people that would come to a church that would be welcoming to them and committed to being the easiest place for people to experience the love and forgiveness of Jesus. A place where you're greeted not by umpires judging you, but by base coaches encouraging you to take your next step. So this is something that, that I and others on our executive leadership team had been praying about for some time. So as I'm sitting in the car, looking out at the, all the teams over there practicing, I heard two words. Again, it was very similar to when God spoke to me to ask for Sue's hand in marriage. And the two words were this, it's time. It's time. And again, I knew immediately that it was God. Say, yeah, it is time. It is time to launch Family Church in Malmwin. Now, I started to get that same inner excitement. Heart started pounding. Now, again, I want to be clear about a couple of things. I don't want to, I don't want to be misunderstood here. In both instances, I, I don't want you to think that I, I don't want you to think that every time, you know, that, you know, pastor thinks he hear, hears a couple of words and his heart starts fluttering that God's speaking to him. No, no, no. That's not what I'm saying. Look, I, I had safeguards built into both of those decisions. In the case of marrying Sue, you need to understand that journey began six months before I even met her. Because in the fall of that year, my first semester down there at Bible school, I was, I was really not engaging like I should have been. I mean, uh, yeah, I was, I was attending classes, but that was about it. I, I wasn't really locked in, and, and I knew that that wasn't right. I knew God sent me down there to help build a strong foundation and get to know him. But, you know, when you're in an environment where you've been around, you know, that, that, I'd seen more pretty Christian girls than I'd ever seen in my life. You get a little sidetracked, you know? <laughs> And, and so I recognized that. And so one October night, that fall semester, I went out, got my Bible, went out and sat in the bed of my pickup, and I repented. I told God, God, I'm sorry. I, I know why I'm here. I, 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 will get, I will get focused on what you've called me to do. Remember those R's I talked about for your heart? Repent. Refocus. And if we'll repent and refocus, then God will revive our hearts. And sure enough, a few months later, I met Sue. And then, as I've shared with you, asked her to be my wife. So I want you to know that asking her those two words, that was cultivated over a season of time through a prepared heart and a commitment to listen for God's voice in wise counsel. You understand that? I want to make sure you understand that. In the case of launching a campus church in Baldwin, again, this is something that's been on our radar for, for quite a while. This isn't just something that, oh, I think God's, no, 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 no. You know, I, I've talked with our leadership team. I, I, I've been praying with our executive leadership team. I have met with my, my pastor, our district superintendent, multiple times. He's been praying for us. I have met with two of the Northeast presbyters of our denomination. They have been praying for us. So I want you to understand, no, no, no. This isn't just something that came up one afternoon when I'm sitting over there. 
We have been praying and praying and praying about this. And again, my point being, and we'll talk more about this next week, I don't want to give the impression that every time that I feel a strong impression and my heart starts beating faster, that God's speaking to me. That's not the case. That's not the case. But, you know, there have been a couple times, a few times that's happened. A few times that's happened. Now, can I miss it? Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm human just like you. I haven't batted a thousand when it comes to hearing God's voice, but you know what? For the past 43 and a half years, I've got to spend my life with this smoking hot Grammy sitting over there in that front row who took pity on me, felt sorry for me when I obeyed that whisper of God when he said, ask her. And she said, sounds good to me. And when I look at the city of Baldwin, I see that the harvest is ripe for a life-giving church where those who are far from God can come to know him in a personal, profound way. I truly believe that this is the time. It's time. Now, logistically, we're still trying to figure out what that's going to look like, but here's what you need to know. Listening to God's voice. Now, listen up. This is, this is important. Listening to God's voice is only part of the equation. If you want to hear God speak, in addition to being open to listen, you also need to be eager to respond. You need to be eager to respond. If we ever needed people to be eager to respond to God's voice and God's leading, it's now. Because we need some of you to be praying about being on the Baldwin Family Church launch team. Not just you Baldwin folks, even some of you Wellsville folks. We're going to ask you to make that commitment. It's not going to be forever, but we'll we'll talk more about that in the future. For now, I'm asking if you would just simply be open to listen and eager to respond. One last thing. Kyle, you want to come up here? This coming Friday is the annual um, Baldwin Bulldogs, Wellsville Eagles shootout on the basketball court. We're going to have our leadership team handing out these shirts there. So we got the Wellsville people covered. We got you Baldwin people covered. If you want one of these shirts, come and support your team and help us get the word out that Family Church is coming to Baldwin. Bow your heads. Let me pray for you. Lord, help us to understand this truth that that you are speaking, God, that you want to, and in some cases have have been speaking to us. So give us us ears to hear what you're saying to us. us. Help us prepare our heart posture ourselves to be able to hear when you when you speak to us. And more importantly, more importantly, I pray that we would be willing, even eager, to respond when you speak to us. Speak encouragement. Speak warning. Speak direction. And give us faith to trust you in obedience when you speak to us. So speak. speaking to you about getting right with him or going all in with him. It's time to it's time to take that next step. If that's you, I'd be honored to lead you in a prayer where you can do that. The Bible says if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, that, that we will be saved. So we just, just pray this prayer and say, Jesus, I know that I'm broken. I know I can't fix myself. So I surrender my heart, my life to you right now. I believe that you are the Lord, that, that you died for me, 
paid for my sin. So thank you for saving me. And I'm asking you to fill me with your Holy Spirit now and help me live my life for you. From this day forward. In Jesus' name.